This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. It's always like this weird one second while it goes from like live that you're just standing, staring there, looking at the screen. Um, but here we are. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rankcast and Ask Bros OG. Um, so for those of us who have been following us over this early part of the season, we um we had an extended break for mental health reasons. So we call it like our our like almost like an Arsenal colonoscopy. It's like everything needs to be flushed so I can come back and I can start clean. And, uh, and we've done that. But for those who've been following us, we've launched three new shows this year. So uh, Scunny Mike is doing the preview show. For us, he launched the first one on Thursday. Um, Ryan is now doing uh, the cup show. So he'll be in probably doing a, a preview and a post for, for most of the cups. Um, we'll work that out. Manny Riz is still floating around the world yelling at things. And when he feels like he's going to be doing his hot topic, um, we'll still have the monthly show. Uh, which is us breaking down all the points and the three, two, ones at the end of every month, the player of the seasons, the shit ass of the seasons. And Toby and I have gone back to the original format for the review show. So we're back doing a weekly review. You'll get a weekly review out of us. Uh, Toby, Ask Bros OG, like the good old days when we, not that we know what we're doing now, but we especially didn't know what we were doing then and we were much drunker. Well, I think that's my problem for today is my lack of beer, seeing we were... Un unorganized, so I'm very jealous of the one that you've just cracked. Ah, it's damn fine, Toby. It's damn fine. Um, general chats, Toby. Start of the season, uh, coming into the game. Um, were you a uh, hanging on the edge of your seat, waiting for the Arsenal to come out and and blitz all of our foes to smote them in our ruins? Were you b uh, you know? moderately pleased with what's happened or were you see uh, still really waiting with bated breath for some more signings in the positions that we know that we need them in i've already forgotten all your fucking questions because it was so just long fucking, it wasn't that <laughs> long mate. just answer were you fucking super excited moderately excited or not excited moderately excited i, I was is, very this glad is why we stopped doing ask bros og because we just fucking sit here and argue i was i was very happy um, quite excited more than I thought I would be. Um, you know, I think because we had so much football for that period of time, I got used to having football every, you know, two or three days, which was a really good thing to have in life at the moment because, you know, we don't have a lot here in Melbourne mm. under um, our dictatorship. Please give it the but, correct um, name. It's the communist state of Melbourne now. Yeah, the People's Republic of Victoria. Um <laughs> So I probably didn't realize how much I missed it. And I, I was more excited than, than I thought I would be, um, you know, and I just had this feeling that, um, that it was going to work pretty well. So I was, I was quite happy and more excited than I thought in answer to your question. Um, signings in Toby Saliba, who obviously we already knew about and he was in um, Gabrielle. He's, who, who He's a fucking boy. We can't expect him just to join. And slot straight okay, in. Well, we can we can get to that, Toby. But you know he's there. Um, G- Gabrielle, yep. who who you know came in with you know quite a long, quite a drawn out 
uh, signing, but the vast majority of people were really excited about. Picked up a couple of kids who were going to move into the, I guess, the development squads, the under-21 squads, and um, picked up Willian, who had a really mixed, uh, I guess, response when he came in. Uh, if, if you go back to our end-of-season pod, I flew the flag for Willian in our end-of-season pod. Now, granted, I was only kind of with the program for the first 45 minutes of that pod, and then I systematically got drunker and drunker and made less and less sense. But during my sober period... I, I remember, yeah. During my, my sober period on that podcast, I made a very solvent argument for bringing Willian in. I hadn't been overly impressed by Pepe, not that I was writing him off. Uh, but I hadn't been overly pressed by him. And I was excited to get him into the club. Uh, his stats for Chelsea looked really good. And I thought that he would inherently improve us. Um, lo and behold, Toby, uh, Arsenal, Fulham, Willian, man of the match for me. How about you? Well, he, he certainly got my three points. Um, I actually put him into my fantasy team and not that anyone gives a fuck about that. But my point being was that I expected him to hit the ground running um, and he well and truly did that. So I thought that his movement, tenacity, um, technicality, drive forward, interplay, link, link up with um, the others around him and more than anything, his work rate, mm. um, he slotted right in and made us instantly better. So the, the things you look at the players that didn't do enough both sides of the ball, um, you know, when you think about um, the big MO um, and why he's been ostracised from the team, I think instantly you see the type of player that that we need and look for me I was quite against it because I thought we would we were taking the safe approach by taking other clubs sloppy seconds but in reality we didn't take much of a risk financially he's only on wages um and he's a tenacious little shit and if you look at his stats from last season he actually wasn't dropping off so he might be one of those players that sort of stays good. So if we get one or two years out of him at that type of red line or that type of effort, then it, it'll be good business. So I'm I'm quite happy to be proved wrong already. And it was podcast. It was instant for me that um that he was that he'd made a huge difference. Yeah, look uh, for me a lot of it was about providing Pepe with genuine um what's the word i'm looking for competition for his spot i felt the last season he didn't have any genuine competition for his spot reese nelson who you know in the pre-season you know if you go back to like friends of the pod people like big steve you know really super excited about this guy expecting him to come out of his time in germany and come into the club and have this huge effect and that was kind of twofold that not only did he not have the level of effect and not that I think Nelson is a terrible player, but he didn't get up to the level to at any point be pushing Pepe hard enough to kind of get Pepe out of that malaise that he was in where, you know, he kind of comes onto the ball and falls into the game and falls out of the game. The one thing I really liked about the William performance is I felt that he was in the game from the first kick until the end of the game. I actually don't think that there's... Well, I, until the 73rd minute. Yeah, yeah, for the duration of the time that he was on the pitch, Toby, you fucking dropkick. But, you know, never never miss an opportunity, Toby, to stick a knife in. We all know that about you. I've got many 
many scars in the back that you know require knives being pulled out. But I think you know would... we you know we don't do that. Our no, our no. whole our whole philosophy is we knife each other in the chest, face to face, motherfucker. Right in there, right in there, yep. prison style. Um. Anyway, I thought that was the thing that really separated the performances. People are saying, oh, you know, well, Pepe is more technical. I didn't see a, necessarily a drop-off in technicality for having Willie in there. But he was always in the game. Uh, some of his pings, his cross-field balls, even how hard he went into challenges. One of the things I really liked about this performance was that... He was taking he, out free kicks as well. Yeah, and he held, he held his width when he needed to hold his width. And when he didn't need to hold his width... He was actually floating inside and sitting in behind Lacazette and Aubameyang at times. Um, and that was something that I thought Pepe, he didn't do a lot last season. He always seemed to be stuck in between the channels. So he wouldn't quite be getting chalk on his boots, but he also not often enough was popping up through the middle. And when he did pop up through the middle, that's when you saw those really nice first-time finishes from him. Um, Toby, other, other, I guess, you know, other things that happened at uh, Gabriel gets his start also performed to a, a, a like quite a high level after not having a, uh, a an amazing start to the game a, a nervy start to the game no doubt with that AMM back pass and a couple of other little pieces as well um one thing we can say about him Toby he's a massive fucking boy huh he he made he made me feel like that back line all of a sudden looked physical in a way that we haven't seen it look physical for a long time. Most definitely. I, I, I think he's a big unit. What is he, six foot five, something along those lines? Covers the ground quickly. What I was really heartened to see was him not being a big slow lump as well, hurling his body in front of the ball, doing those tenacious um, protecting of his, um, of his box. Um, sorry, I'm off track because we just had a pop-up and I was like, who the fuck's that? Um, so, and then obviously his distribution was really good. So playing that central of the three, he was, um, you know, he was playing those penetrative balls and starting our attack as well. So, you know, and then pops up with the goal, you know, you got six foot five heading abilities. So I didn't expect him to hit the ground running. So I was quite... I was quite happy with that as a first performance. Um, Toby, a lot of people would have thought, myself included, that Eddie Nketiah was the natural starter for this game. Yeah, I was um, disappointed in that. Yeah, look, uh, Lacazette comes into the game. I, I must admit, despite people seeming to get very excited about the fact that he scored, the rest of his game was absolute garbage. Well, he scored a tap-in. It was yeah, Willie. Exactly. It was Willian's goal. Yeah. It was a fuck up by Fulham. Willian yep. put the pressure on um, deflection, and he he was exactly where he should be. Um, and it was unfuck upable. You know, I don't mean to be too hard on Lacazette, but you know, he did what he needed to do and no more. Um, and I thought for the rest of the game, he kind of had sulk, resting bitch face. And this and, was going to um, be this was going to be my point, Toby. Exactly about the you fact know, that and, I expected and, uh, that his attitude would change coming into this season. I had got the feeling that there was a, a large possibility that he was on his way out of the club. Um, I, the sorts of numbers that were getting spruced for him around that thirty million pound mark, my brain started to go towards. Okay, well, what are we actually going to replace him with for around that thirty million pound mark? It means that if we do get rid of him, we have to dig into our transfer kitty to replace him. I don't think you're going to get a quality replacement for less than 
once we start getting above the 40s and above the 45s, back up to almost what we paid for him anyway. Do you think that the, the selection of Lacazette in the team for the first game of the season at, leads you to believe that he's staying, we either can't get a suitor for him or Arteta's has realised that if we can't get rid of him, we do really need him to play? Two words, window shopping. So he's being he's being advertised effectively. So I think if if he plays at the start, I I think much like El Neni, getting a start and getting a start in the um, charity shield as well. It's just showing the, the the potential suitors that you have a player that can perform on the stage and and um, doing a bit of advertising that way. Um, I tend to agree with you. I mean, we paid forty-five million pounds for him. What three, 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 four years ago? So it would be considerable loss for someone in their prime to be sold for thirty million. So it's, um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit unsure, but I felt that in the cameo that Eddie made with his five minutes, which wasn't enough, if you ask me, I would have liked to see him get at least the last twenty. He was sharp. He closed the space down incredibly fast. He worked his hole off for that period of time and put the the defenders under stress. And I also felt with his one actual touch, he held the ball up better. So mm. I'm not I'm not impressed with Lacazette's hold up play. He does what he needs to do, but he doesn't cover the ground hard, hard fast enough or hard and fast enough, hard and fast to um, <laughs> to. Only people of a certain age will uh, still the will Australian, job. still the twelfth man. If like, you, yeah, you're not going to get it. But I found it really funny. Well done, Toby. T- tiny Grig. Um, <laughs> so and um, and the one time we did hold the ball up was was fantastic. So I think my my point before I distracted myself was that Lacazette was trying, but he wasn't covering the ground fast enough to make an impact with that press. And if you look at the way our team has gone with the athleticism all over the pitch, and it is fucking dynamic. If you break it down, you know, you've got your AMNs, your Sackers, your Abamyangs. We'll put Eddie Nketiah in there. You know, you've got relentless um, up and down players with tenacity like Kieran Tierney. You know, we're talking all over the pitch now. And then you add in Willian as well, um, you know, Pepe needs some work to do, but he showed in the FA Cup final that he can do it. You've got some serious pace and some serious press. So unless you can pull your thumb out of your ass and say, I want to be here and I'm going to work for for this team um, and this manager, then, you know, I'm, I wouldn't cry if we sold Lacazette. I wouldn't even cry if it was a gamble and we sold Lacazette and backed Eddie Nketiah. Don't forget, he scored a hat-trick for England under 21s in midweek. So, yeah, yeah, look, Toby, I I'm, I'm on public record early in Eddie's career when he came into Arsenal saying that I didn't think that he was at the physical level that the Premier League required and I didn't think that he was going to be a, a top player for us. Um as time went on last season, I think my mind has started to change because of the way that it appears that the center forward is being asked to play in modern football. Yeah, you know, it's so pretty it's, selfless. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thankless it's a thankless job now, and it, you mm. know I keep coming back to it when people say, "Oh, Obamiang through the middle, Obamiang through the middle." I'm like, the game has changed. Obamiang through the middle won't work. He won't hold the line. 
uh, on that, you know, let's let's dig into Aubameyang's performance. Disappearing for huge amounts of time and then popping up at the exact moment when he needs to to affect the game. And, Could you get any more you know, Aubameyang than that? No, no, and I'm and I'm that mm. that wasn't said in a negative. That wasn't said no, in a no, negative I didn't way. Take I take it that way. Yeah. In our, in our group, I put it up. Like first mm. up, I was like, "Fuck, Aubameyang's in my negative points. He really hasn't come into it." And then he goes, mm. "Bang!" Onto a ball from Tierney. Bang! Onto a ball from El Neni. He is mm. such a low touch player. Mm. His finishing is as good as it's ever been. I would never mm. remove him off the left side now in a million years. Like mm. like I just wouldn't do it. I don't mm. think he can play center forward anymore. When you go back to you know talking about Eddie and Lacazette quickly, what does Eddie do that Lacazette doesn't do? I think Eddie holds the shape better. I've said this before. I think Eddie will make more thankless runs. So when you've got yeah. a ball going over the over the top from right to left to Aubameyang in the left channel, someone's got to make that thankless run to the far post, even though the ball's never going there to drag the defender. I find Eddie does that mm. more often. Mm. My issue with Lacazette, is I don't understand how his technicality has dropped so much. Attitude, one thing. Confidence, another thing. Goal scoring, fine. Your, your goal scoring can drive up, dry up. But the technicality, his inability to, to trap the ball, play basic passes, and also his inability to get into the physical aspect of the game. I remember in his first year, you and I did a podcast waxing lyrical about him, believe it or not, and I listened to it while we've been in lockdown, Toby, you and I compared him to an Alan Shearer type player at one point. You know, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yep. You know, cunt the ball, take the goalkeeper into the back of the net, bully people, hustle people, hurt people, low center of gravity, big ass, big shoulders. And now it just appears every time he gets touched, he just he just falls onto the floor. Um, I, I, I can't help but think it's a mental thing because it doesn't look like he's enjoying his football. You know, and a lot of other players, you know, have a smile on your on their face. I mean, even bloody Rob Holding doing the Henri juggle down the pitch. You know, he was having a laugh. I forget who he was having a laugh and a joke with, but I thought that was brilliant. So he's a little bit, he's got a little bit of the le sulk about him. And I wonder whether that lack of enjoyment means that, um, that, that first touch is heavy or, you know, he just seems a bit more cumbersome. But look... In any case, I get what you're saying about the selfless run, you know, and opening space up. And then I want to make another point as well because I think um, Maitland-Niles made errors in this game, but I have a feeling that he was tasked with making high-risk balls because Abamyang was the one not going to create but the one to get on the end of things. So I think right from the start of the game, Maitland-Niles was playing high risk either dribbles or little one-twos. He was doing the flicks as well. And I thought he was attempting a number of through balls. So if you had a look at AMN's passing stats, I think they would have been way down. But my thought process for him being there is there's a relationship with Abamyang. Abamyang makes those runs and starts drifting on that inside left channel. And Maitland-Niles is playing as a pseudo sort of left winger. And then we go lopsided and Kieran Tierney actually overlaps from there as well, from that left centre-back position. So I think there's a real game plan going on. Uh, just tell me your thoughts on that because I, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> 
Um, so I had Ainsley Maitland-Niles in my top three players on the pitch in the first half. He went very quiet in the second half. But interestingly enough, when AMN was progressing further forward, I thought Aubameyang was quieter. I thought AMN might have been encroaching into some of the areas that Aubameyang was trying to get into. Also, early yep. in that first half, I didn't know whether it was a tactical thing from because there was definitely a switch between first and second half, but AMN was higher. Xhaka was fucking way higher than I've ever seen him before as well. He was right up there, I guess, because he had the confidence in El Nenny behind him. And then Willian was also pulling into almost a, an Ozil-esque number 10 role, and mm. Aubameyang and Lacquer were, were, were both up front at one point. And I thought yeah. that was a tactical change at halftime because it wasn't working predominantly for Aubameyang. And that, for me, is because, as I said before, I feel like Aubameyang needs to come into the space, not be in the space already when the ball is coming into the space. Mm. He, he needs mm. to be he needs to be arriving either getting the ball early and driving at people from a deeper mm. position, or he loves that late kind of arrival into the box. Mm. I don't think he likes it when it's mm. Mm. when it's and at that, him. That, that Henri finish was. Yeah, delicious, delicious you know? absolutely delicious. You know, his his take from the, I think it's the ball from El Nenny, the take that he has there, there's one later in the game. And and this comes back to what I was saying, Toby. You know, my whole point about about giving Aubameyang this praise and giving Aubameyang this love is, is the same thing as what we spoke about at the end of last season. You have to accept the fact that he's a low-touch player and people have to stop thinking that somehow there's, there's 10 goals a year more for him out of the centre. There aren't 10 goals a year for him more out of the centre. I'll tell you what there is out of the centre. Getting fucking bashed by centre-backs, having to play yeah. with your back to the ball. And, and hard work. And, and fucking hard work and running. And he's not mm. all about that. He he mm. sits there and he hums on like a 1,000 revs for sometimes 20 minutes at a time in a game. And then he goes, bang, straight through the gears, 5,000 revs, onto a ball, cracks one, and that's job done. And that, mm. maverick, that, that maverick style of player... I actually think to go back to what we said originally about Willian and balance, mm. I think that when you have Pepe and when you have Aubameyang, who are both too, trying to too, too similar, similar. And, too and, similar. and too slight as well. And I actually yep. thought when Pepe came on, even though he did some nice things, straight away he looked lightweight in comparison to Willian. Yeah, I and, and I actually do mean that physically. Like yep. I felt that their that their left back, whoever it was, was more in control when Pepe was there than he was against Willian. Because Willian can do all sorts of different things, right, left, play off a midfielder, play off a striker. You know, he, he's got all of those he can also He can also hold a man off. So Pepe needs to go past you with skill. Willian can ride that challenge and go past you. And look, mm. I mean, this isn't meant to be like a, a, a massive suck Willian's dick session because Danny Ceballos in his first ever got game for Arsenal we all did this and we did a big podcast about how he's the next Cazola and as time went on, he was unable to keep it together. We can only yeah. look at the sample, we can only look but, at the sample size that's in front yeah. of us and the sample no, no, size sure. right for now, sure. for me, the sample size right now is that Willian off the right seemed to complement Aubameyang off the left a huge amount more than what Pepe off the right and Aubameyang off the left did. That's my... Sure. And, and don't forget, the, the analogy towards Ceballos is probably not that accurate because Willian has been doing it in the premiership for so True. long. And I think, I think that's where the risk was less. Uh, true. Toby, while we're talking about midfields and whatnot, um, it's still threadbare. Uh, Xhaka had a good game. He actually ends up getting in my, in my positive points. So anyone who says I have an agenda against him, I don't. When I think he plays well, I'm 
I pick him. I thought he played well, particularly in the first half. I thought he played really well. Um, El Nenny, it was very mixed from people. A lot of people thought that it was an okay um, performance. Some people thought it was a very good performance. You thought it was a very good performance. I, I know did. Dan. I know I Dan did. and Mike thought that it was an okay performance. Um, mm. As in, it's still a good performance, but not not obviously you know a top three performance. Um, mm. I felt really bad because at the end of the game, I was struggling for negative points and he was actually nowhere near my negative points. But when I went through the stats, he touched the ball less than any player on the pitch and I gave him a negative one and then you cunts fucking destroyed me in the chat and then I had to reconsider. But the the points are the points. So I feel bad about that. I feel that that's like the laziest, shittiest punditry points giving that I could give. But do you want to go in just quickly? I do. You know, in, in, into, I do. Into that comment of the midfield being threadbare, which I, I, I think it is. It still well, is it still is threadbare. But do you want to go into not only I, I guess do you think that obviously you think the performance for Nenny was quite good. Do you think that that's something that he's he may actually be able to do long term for us and improve? Or are you like fucking get rid, that was a shop window moment, let's get someone better in? Uh, look, I'm in the middle. So I, I was incredibly complimentary of his performance. He actually got plus two for me. Um, <laughs> thanks, Big Steve. Um, if it was so a many, kid, Steve, you'd be sucking his dick too. So many sucking <laughs> El Nenny's dick is Steve's comment. So I will continue to uh, to, <coughs> to do that right now. So <clears throat> I'll just clear my throat while I prepare. Um, now, I thought he... So in the first half, when it was an actual arm wrestle, yes, I thought his technicality was absolutely needed um, in our team. And I, I actually wrote in um, in my player um, review that the ball was almost glued to his foot. I thought his technique was um, was really needed and really warranted. And I even said a, b- a bit of a throwback to the Wenger era in that we had players that were technically very, very comfortable on the ball. And I think in that midfield space, and if you think about the players that that have been there previously, like your Ceballos, I thought um I thought he was excellent. So he had the ability to um to really navigate the press and get us out of whatever trouble and distribute and keep the ball ticking over. And like Max said, he didn't have a hell of a lot of touches on the ball. Maybe that came from second half, but I thought in particular in the first half, he really kept things ticking over. And any time we were in any danger of a transition, he was able to navigate that press very calmly, I thought, and without a lot of space or time, um, and distribute the ball beautifully. We never lost the ball with him, and it enabled us to get on the front foot from um, from when we did receive the ball. So I actually thought he was very good. My my other point um, with that, with um, Genduzi, who I, I couldn't really give a rat's ass whether he stays or whether he goes. Don't be like that. Now, now I, I said it. I own it. Now, watching him for so long and enjoying his tenacity and everything, but never actually really doing a lot for us, um, you know, yeah, I want to see El Nani go overall, or at least I did. But say you got a decent offer for Guendouzi and El Nani needed to be a backup, 
I wouldn't have too much of a problem with that. Now, to your point about the Threadbare squad, basically so we've got... Midfield. 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 Apologies. Apologies. All right, so let's name them. So you've got Jacko is going to start every game, even though um, you know a lot of our fans might... Um, get the huff about that we've got Sabios, so that partnership proved quite fruitful at the end of last season Ooh, Sabi- wasn't Sabios filthy when he came on his nutmeg filth pure oh, it, no it was it, it was filth so that partnership um really um showed dividends at the end of um last season Sabios coming up to speed in the prem um i think Joe Willock probably hasn't grasped his opportunity. Um, so he would steadfastly be a backup for me. He would go into the fourth or fifth choice. Um, it does say something, doesn't it? It does say cup. something about Joe Willock to have El Nenny being picked after Willock had played that quantity of games last season. Well, it comes back to the shop window thing again, Max. So I, I think that had something to do with it. But I think El Nenny in the... Um, in the in the charity shield and in this game has certainly surprised us all. So I'd, I'd say, look, Willock's probably at the bottom of that. He'll play in the early rounds of the cups and, and Europa league. So same type of thing. So he really needs to step up a little bit. Um, you know, if, if Maitland Niles stays, I would be quite happy seeing him take some of that midfield time and see how he goes. Um, and then you've obviously got Genduzi. So I, I certainly feel that we're one short, at least one short in that space. Yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think that we're one short from being a competitive team this season. If, if we are, uh, obviously we're coached better. We've had more time with Arteta. I understand all these arguments that people have. That, you Our know, shape looks amazing, by the yeah, way. It, like, it looks, we look it looks, well. We it look very well good, coached. Toby. Yeah, but over the course of an entire season, I just can't see like like even if you take what I know of Granite Xhaka. Look at how and, shit Spurs looked. Yeah, but if you take what I know of Granite Xhaka, you know that my opinion on him is that anyone who thinks that he is a world class player is wrong, and anyone who thinks that he is a complete waste of time is wrong. It's in the middle. Of course. In in the right system where he's protected, where he has the right players, where he has better players around him, I think that he will most likely be able to consistently give you somewhere around a 7 out of 10. His performance here, it, it's not like... And he's very hard sometimes to judge, I guess, because if he's not hitting like big ballsy diagonals and, you know, uh, final third entry balls, stuff like that, he can get lost in the ether. In this game, I thought he was particularly good, especially physically. I thought that he was particularly good. But I can't see that performance, what I know of Granite Xhaka, that he's going to do that consistently throughout an entire season. And and we're going to need someone else to come in. I think the other argument that, that – or not argument, but the other part of the discussion that needs to be had is I'm a very big believer that our midfield is dictating the fact that we play three at the black, back, not our desire to play three at the back which means if we got in some different style of midfielders, I think you would see Arteta want to move maybe towards that 4-3-3 and that until we do get someone who is more physical, more lung busting, able to get up and down in between the lines, basically in a nutshell, I think that Xhaka only really works in that system a bit the same as David Luiz maybe only really works in that system. And over the course of the season, we may come a bit undone 
doing that. Um, good game for Xhaka, I thought. Um, got around it. Did what he needed to do. Uh, Toby, Emmy Martinez. I, I want to have a quick chat about Emmy Martinez because I did pop a little thing up on Twitter. So offered a contract by Arsenal, rejected the contract, has wanted to go be a number one at Villa. Uh, we've been through it. We don't need to have the argument about Emmy or Leno, anyone who listens to us. Most of us are of the opinion on the Ars Bros. I think almost all of us are of the opinion on the Ars Bros that Leno is a very good keeper. Emmy is a very good keeper, but Leno has done it more consistently over a longer period of time with a bigger sample size. I put this up on Twitter today, Toby. Do you think it's a bit of an indictment that Emmy has decided not to stay and fight, despite, I, I believe, you know, being offered a contract and being told if you are the better keeper, you'll be selected? That that mentality that he doesn't want to fight may be the thing that's made him not a number one previously, that he mm. would rather go to Villa and be a number one? <sighs> Look, I, I don't know. I, I saw that headline um, from whatever news article. Um I didn't really agree with the news article. I just thought it was trying to like raise a negative out of nowhere for the sake of creating discussion from people like us. Um, well, I worked. think it worked because I, th- I tweeted it and then brought it up on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and, so and I, and I agree with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think good on him. I mean, he he had his time, he had his time in the limelight. He did amazingly well. As Arsenal fans, we will always love and cherish him because basically we were fucked and it was his form at the back end of the season in the cup that managed to to get us there. So for him yeah. to go from 20 grand to 60 grand a week or, you know, 40 grand to 100 grand, whatever it is, and be number one, good on him. And I the thing him, is... I wish th- him no ill will at all. Yep. I, and, I like and let, I wish yep. him no ill will. Yep. And I think at the end of the day... We've, I mean, Bernd Leno is a fantastic keeper. Um, and like you said, longevity wise, you know, he might not have the same size frame on him, but, you know, I, I think it's good. And coming full circle and going back to our point, we need to raise funds. So none of us wanted to sell Maitland Niles if we raise funds via Martinez, who came from our youth system and effectively cost us nothing. So if we get 20 grand for him and we can move someone else on like a Genduzi or something like that, then you could put that money, say you got 40, 40 um, million, you could put that into a midfielder. So I think it's, I think it's, I think it's one of those few occasions where everyone wins. Uh, the only I problem tell- is, the only problem is just last point is that Matt Macy has also requested to leave. So that's the only spanner in the works. Oh, look, second keepers are a dime a dozen. You know, if, if like finding a great second keeper, that's difficult. But I think that's been difficult for all clubs forever. You know, you have you have guys whose careers are as second keepers. They're second keepers for a career. You know, they come in, they come out. There's a a, a, a guy I, I follow on Twitter who's is really good. His name's The Psycho Mank. And he put the best Twitter up the other day. I sent him a message saying he completes me. You'll complete me. I love you. Um, because someone wrote... Why are we selling Emmy, you know, when, when we don't have a backup second keeper? And he just tweeted back, because we have two world-class keepers and zero world-class midfielders. Like, do the fucking yeah. maths. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yes, sir. Thank you very much. You'll complete me. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Toby, in the end, good win. 3-0, gets the ball rolling. The shape was good. The coaching looked good. Uh, for me, I thought the team looked physically bigger. I don't know if you noticed that as well, but I, I felt we looked physically stronger, a, a, a better team. I'm super excited for the future. I did just want to say, though, two things before we finish up, because this is the Aspros doing an express pod. We're going to keep these to around 45 minutes, not because, one, I'm not drunk and rambling, and two, that's the limit of time of which Toby and I can sit in a room together before we start bickering. So it's about about 45 minutes, and then it's it's all on. But number one, how fucking bad is the camera angle at Craven Cottage, Toby? Yeah, I I honestly didn't notice that much. I saw you guys complaining yeah, about it. But me and Manny, yeah. me and Manny were going ballistic about it. Mm. No, I mean it in hindsight, hard, yeah, hard maybe. But um, what I what I did it, enjoy the- seeing was like it was kind of a a panned out shot and I just really loved seeing the shape and the organization. I think for the first see, time I, in a long Man, time, me and Manny felt that you couldn't see the shape because there was no, it depth was, it was, it was one, so it was one shot. So that's probably where I didn't realize, but I really, really saw the shape and I saw what we were doing. Um, you know, and I like the fact that we sort of go lopsided and, and thanks Fergus. Um, um <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, no, I, and I like that players have multiple roles now. I'm actually seeing, you know, I'm actually seeing some real progression. So I, I think uh, I think we're going to do all right. But um, it's it's a pretty tough first six weeks if you look at the list. I think next week West Ham they look pretty shit again. Yeah. if I'm honest. But after yeah, that, it's a, basically relegation. It's basically the top four or four four teams out of the top six. So it's, it's going to be really fucking hard. Look, I've said this before, Toby. I would rather get teams early in the season, especially teams who are going to be in the top four. I'd rather get them early in the season than in the middle of the season. I'd rather get them early or late uh, before either they're not quite there physically or they're building themselves into a season or rather get them at the end when, you know, preferably they're already, you know, one or, or close to winning or, or whatever it might be. Toby, my final point, and we're sure. going to have an argument about this. All right. That fucking third kit can suck my cock. That is the worst fucking third kit I've ever seen in my life. Arsenal in blue. I know there's trim, but you can't see it on the camera. Arsenal in blue, fucking awful. Couldn't, like, it took my brain literally time and i know my brain's not great but literally time to adjust to trying to cheer on arsenal in a fucking blue kit that second marble shit's not much better but fuck me can we not just have arsenal in red arsenal in yellow and then i don't know i said i'd rather that fucking mint green shit than that fucking blue makes me think of chelsea well you lost all credibility at the mint green part Okay, I agree with you. I'd rather see... At least Mint Green isn't another team that it makes me think of. Let me finish, cunt. See, here we go. Bickering, 45-minute mark. Yep, ready to go. So, red and white, home. Traditional yellow with blue trim away. And then a third. Which this blue one could have been. I actually quite liked the gunmetal grey and hot pink from a few years ago. I thought that was actually quite good. I would have that. Talk to me about the blue, though, because you like blue. But... The the marble blood vein one, not nice. The blue one with that kind of like peachy rose gold trim, 
I like it. I like it. And I especially like it more than that horrible mint green fucking it's not spearmint fucking It's not about, the, it's not about the jersey, shit. Toby. It's not about whether the jersey looks better than that jersey. It's about feeling that your team is your team when you watch them on television. I can't fucking watch Arsenal in blue. It doesn't well, work for me. It fucks I realize my brain. This. Like all of the Premier League, this is about fucking money. All right? So everything is the same. This bullshit is about shirt sales and things that people don't have. At least they don't look like a fucking zebra like Man Poo. And on that, Fergus was like, have you seen Man I thought that was, I actually thought that was a joke. Like well, as, in, no- I, as in I thought, I'm like, oh, it's surely it's a, a joke about something. Like I thought it was like, like visit Rwanda and be a zebra. Yeah, I I thought you were going to go down the let's sign more African players path, but there there I said it, and now that's horrible, and we'll be ostracised from everyone. Damn right, Russ. I won't be buying any blue bollocks jerseys either. <laughs> Fuck it, <laughs> Arsenal in blue. All right, guys. So that brings us to the end of this first Ask Bros OG. Bang in the comments. Let us know if you like this format. We're really trying to do it low key, squeezed in half an hour, forty minutes. Not talking big things, big topics, just what comes up and what happens in the game. Toby, I've got about a minute more of liking you, so we should probably end this. And uh, okay. I'll see you I'll see you next week after the next the, game. The threshold is nigh. Yeah, we're not going to do predictions because no one really gives that much of a fuck about predictions and no one can ever remember what anyone said the week before. Anyway, well, so... Well, what do you say? I think Arsenal will win because I like Arsenal. Yeah, I think... I think Arsenal win. Uh, old man Trev. 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It was lovely to see you again. It's great to be back for this season. Like I said, we've got a, a number of shows out. Um, also, our guys are on other shows as well. So, Scunny, who's doing our preview show, he's one of the guys from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. You can see him regularly. Go over there. Check them out there at Guns and Ribbons. I'm doing a regular preview show with Tez and the boys from The Clock End. So, they're at Clock End Talk. Give them a follow as well. Uh, Ryan is doing Same Old Arsenal USA. I, I think the handle might be Same Old USA. Type it in. You'll find it. You'll find us on all sorts of platforms. Um, like all of us. Follow all of us. Get on with it. Peace out and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Go get some more beers. See you, Topes. See you, mate. Eat a dick. Eat a fucking dick, cunt. <laughs> <laughs>